السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So this subject of cultivating the children or raising children is something that we have to revisit often and often and often because it is something which every parent, every society, every community is always in need of reminding with respect to this topic. As Allah Zawajal says in the Quran, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَى تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And remind, for indeed a reminder benefits the believers. So, in this lesson, what I want to do, inshallah ta'ala, is just to take some benefits from a really concise, excellent lecture by Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah, in which he speaks about the various aspects of raising children, nurturing children. So perhaps we can take some benefit from this, inshallah ta'ala, and recognize our responsibilities as parents towards our children, and our responsibility of making sure that we root iman and righteousness and truthfulness al-iman as-sidq at-taqwa into our children so the shaykh hafizahullah ta'ala he begins by saying or by reminding us to have the taqwa of allah azza wa jal to fear allah azza wa jal and to know that the offspring or the children which he bestows us is something which is an amana. It is a responsibility. It is a burden. And this responsibility or this burden, this amana that we have been given is something that will either lead to pleasure. So it will become a source of pleasure for us, meaning the children, the offspring. They will either be a source of pleasure or, meaning in this life and the hereafter, or they will be a source of loss and ruin. So there are only two directions, a source of pleasure and happiness or a source of loss and ruin. And both of these have been mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah has referred to both of these categories in the Qur'an. With respect to the first, which is the, the, the children become a ni'mah, in which the children become a ni'mah for you. With respect to this one, Allah he mentioned in the Quran, in Surah At-Tur, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَان Those who believe and whose offspring followed them, followed them in Iman, أَلْحَقَنَا بِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ we shall then 
bring them together with their offspring, meaning in the hereafter. The Mufassirun, they explain that in paradise, they will bring the offspring with the parents and it will be a source of joy and a pleasure for them. So this now is the outcome of those whose children followed them in Iman. Followed them in Iman. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ, he indicated in the well-known hadith, when a man dies, insan in illa min When a man dies, his action ceases, except from three, or by way of three. Sadaqatin jariyah, which is recurring charity, which, which, you know, charity which he gave, whose benefit recurs after his death, so he continues to receive the reward. A knowledge which he spread, by which benefit continues to be attained or acquired. Or a righteous son who supplicates for him after his death. So he benefits from that supplication. So here now are two, two things which a person benefits from, from his offspring, or a few things by which a person benefits from, from his offspring, after his death, because he left them uh, righteous. So this is the one whose offspring follow him in Iman. And this is a ni'mah for that person. But then there is also a ni'mah. Ni'mah meaning a retribution or a punishment upon a person. And this is what is said regarding the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. Regarding them and their offspring, Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions about them, فَلَا تُعْجِبُكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ بِهَا فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَتَزْحَقَ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَهُمْ كَافِرُونَ Do not let their wealth nor their offspring amaze you. Meaning don't let what the hypocrites possess or what, the, what they possess of plenty of offspring and plenty of wealth, do not, do not let that amaze you. Rather, what Allah desires by this is to punish them by way of these things. By way of the wealth that they possess, which they didn't use in obedience to Allah. And by way of the offspring, which they didn't nurture upon iman. So these things Allah intends, this is from the wisdom of Allah Azawajal. And so he's saying this to the messenger of Allah Sallallahu that these uh, disbelievers, the hypocrites and other than them, don't be amazed and impressed and, you know, by way of what they have of wealth and children and the worldly affairs. These are things which Allah gives to them after they reject faith, out of istidraj, meaning to, to, to lead them on, and as a punishment for their disbelief, and then these things will be the cause of their punishment in the hereafter. So do not be amazed by that. Indeed, Allah intends to punish them by way of these things in the life of this world, and so that their souls expire whilst they are disbelievers. So this now makes it clear that our children are either a, are either a ni'mah or a niqmah. And... The Shaykh then goes on to mention after this point that when we look at a society and we look at whether this society is, is, is salih, is righteous, or whether it is fasid, it is corrupt, all of this returns back down to this one fundamental issue, which is the nurturing 
of the children and the righteousness of the children and the rectification of the children. This is how societies change. When parents do not pass on their values and their beliefs and their, the, the manners, the etiquettes and things of that nature, if these do not get transferred from generation to generation, then you will see that the chil- as each generation goes by, you will see them declining. Or their morals will decline. And likewise, they will become more and more ignorant about the world and its realities. And they will acquire habits and you know, things which are forced upon them from outside. There are people who you know, they want to exploit societies, they want to exploit people for financial benefit and things of that nature. So they exploit the base desires in humans. There are base desires. Desire for food, desire for drink, desire for relations, pleasure, desire for wealth. All of these things are base, base desires. And so there are people who want to exploit societies by exploiting these base desires. And so when children, the offspring, they are not cultivated upon, upon iman, upon righteousness, upon obedience and are not made aware of these things, then what will happen is that that influence and that environment will overtake the child. And so, this is why, as the Shaykh makes the point here, that the salah and the fasad, which is the rectification and the corruption of a society, comes back down to the rectification and the corruption of its, its, its children. The children. And this is something these people, well, they, they know and they understand. And there are statements that they make. They say, give us access. They, they say in their books, they say that all we need is access to the curriculum of teaching children. All we need is one generation or two at the most. And we can take an entire society. We can take an entire nation. Just by controlling education. Just by controlling you know, what the child, what, what it hears what it sees, what it feels, what it believes, right? An entire society can be captivated and controlled just by its children. So this is something that's well understood and well known among the nations. And uh, so the Sheikh makes uh, the point here that after the tawfiq of Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, after he makes the point that the rectification and corruption of a society lies in the children, he then says that this rectification itself, it must have asbab. There must be causes, there must be reasons, there must be mechanisms by which you know, children and societies are kept upon rectification. So he says, after the tawfiq of Allah Azza wa Jal, this tarbiyah or this at-tarbiyah as-salihah, this righteous tarbiyah that we are all obliged to provide for our children, it returns back to four things. It can be summarized in four things. And this is a really good classification from the Shaykh. It is something that you know, it, 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 allow, it allows us to uh, focus our efforts by putting it into these four categories. So the four categories. So when you think of your child or your children, then all of your efforts, all of your efforts for the tarbiyah should be divided into, into these four areas. So the first of them is a tarbiyah ad-diniyah. A tarbiyah ad-diniyah. 
The first is cultiva- cultivation upon the deen itself, upon ibadah, upon worship, upon righteousness. This is the first thing, first area that you focus your efforts upon. The second that the Shaykh mentions is a tarbiyah at ta'limiyah. This now is education. And education, he means here, Islamic education. This is the second area of focus upon raising children. The third is At-Tarbiyah Al-Mihaniyyah. This now is a tarbiyah that relates to a craft or a profession, a profession, a skill, knowledge. And this is in order to you know, make the child to be self-sufficient and able to stand on their own two feet and earn a living and provide and so on and so forth. This is At-Tarbiyah Al-Mihaniyyah. And the fourth, the Shaykh mentions, is At-Tarbiyah Al-Akhlaqiyyah. The Tarbiyah that relates to manners. Manners and etiquette and how to behave, how to have lofty manners and noble characteristics to adorn oneself with them. So these four categories are what the Tarbiyah of a child should be focused around. And this is a very good classification, as I said. It, it allows you to look at this and to organize your, uh, you know, the tarbiyah of, of your child. Then the Shaykh was on to mention some brief words about each one of these categories. And so as for the first, which is a tarbiyah ad-diniyah, what does this mean? This means that you nurture and raise your child to be one who is given to the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, who recognizes the bounties and the favors of Allah and loves his Lord and his Creator. And likewise, one who dislikes and detests al-ma'asi, sin and disobedience and corruption of all of its types, you know, which, which, which lead to oppositions in the deen and so on and so forth. And to make them love obedience and to implant the, the sound aqidah into their minds and into their hearts. So all of this has its, obviously has its ways and means and mechanisms. And uh, so from those affairs is to establish the tawheed of Allah Azawajal into the child. And by using the, the, the arguments and the similitudes, the mithal the, 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 the which are given in the Quran, about the rububiyah of Allah and his great favors, his bounties that we experience and witness to make a child recognize those from an early age. To point out to the child where drink comes from, where the water comes from, where the food comes from, where, you know, all these, the clothing that we, that we wear, where this comes from. All of this to point out to the children, reminding them all the time that these are from the bounties and the favors of Allah for which we need to be, to be grateful. Likewise, to make them love the acts of obedience and to make them understand that acts of obedience are tied to rectification. Things go right when you are obedience, in obedience to Allah. And now things become corrupted when you are in disobedience to Allah. So you have to explain, you have to give similitudes and explain these affairs to your children as they are, as they are growing up. So for example, you tell them about the dangers of alcohol. For example, that this this is something that befogs the mind. It doesn't. It, it stops you from being in control of your faculties. And then show them 
examples of deaths by accident and you know things of that nature which arise due to alcohol and show them the evils of alcohol and how this is an evil and Allah has prohibited prohibited it within you know for the protection of the mind and and the health and society and so on and so forth so make them understand that the acts of obedience are rectification the prayer is rectification why because the prayer in tanha anil fakhsha'i wal munkar it it prevents from uh, shameful deeds and from evil deeds giving charity is rectification fasting is rectification so make them understand some of the wisdoms that the people of knowledge have explained about these affairs so that they understand why they are doing what they are doing so they they, they can appreciate what they are doing and likewise about the evils about shirk first and foremost the greatest evil how can you show the gratefulness which is due to Allah azawajal to something other than Allah azawajal this is and give them similitudes explain to them that how does it make sense for you to be grateful to a cat or to a brick for the favors and bounties that your parents have given to you how does that make sense because this is really this is the reality of shirk every mushrik this is what he is doing this is this is the level of his intelligence whether he is you know no matter what background he comes from a mushrik of any type of background this is what he's doing it is like a child who is raised by his parents reaches the age of maturity is given all of his provisions and shelter and you know everything by by his parents and then he goes and shows gratefulness to the brick of the house or to the cat and this is shirk and this is foolishness in 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 the mind is stupidity right so you have to put these notions these understandings into the heart and mind of your child from a very early age a very early age this is you know this is you rooting the tree of iman in the heart of the child now this is extremely important because i want to lead on to a statement a bit later on at the right point or the right time from a statement um from sheikh salih ali sheikh about you know the trials of this time and the spread of things like social media and the spread of atheism and the spread of you know causing shak doubt in people of iman about their lord about his rububiyyah about his uluhiyah and that this is something that is is one of the phenomena of of this time that this is you know sweeping the world and it will increase and the own, and the solution to that is to root iman into the hearts of the people and to protect them from the trials because the trials are going to come whether you like it or not they're going to come like waves so how would you now deal with this and the, and the, the the quickest shortest most effective way is to root iman into the hearts of the children to make it established in the hearts so anyway uh so you make them love obedience you make them love tawhid you make them hate disobedience you make them understand and dislike shirk and realize that it is the greatest crime the greatest zulm to oppose reason and so on and so forth so you this is what we mean by at-ta'limiyah ad-diniyah and then the sheikh gives a practical example as well from the well-known hadith about the command to pray 
مروا اولادكم بالصلاه وهم ابناء سبع سبع سنين واضربوهم عليها وهم ابناء عشر وفرقوا بينهم في المضاجع command your children to pray when they are 7 then discipline them at the age of 10 and separate them in their beds from from that point when they when they are 10 so in this hadith and there are many hadith this is just one hadith to to illustrate practical guidelines in uh, matters of of, of deen and so the shaykh brings this hadith and mentions the three things which are mentioned here first of all that they are commanded to pray at the age of 7 and at this age the age of 7 going up towards 10 this is when we start receive when we start get seeing at tamyiz at tamyiz in a child the child is able to distinguish between what is right and wrong like and disliked they're able to understand discourse and able to respond as one of the scholars shaykh ahmed najmi said يَفْهَمُ الْخِتَابُ وَيَرُدُّ الْجَوَابُ He's able to understand discourse and he's able to respond. He's able to give responses. He's able to reply. So at this age, we see that they are commanded with prayer and the prayer is the greatest obligation after the tawheed of Allah singling him out in worship. And the shaykh says that this hadith does not mean command them once when they are seven. and then leave them it means command them at every prayer so when every prayer comes along command them get up and pray do your wudu and pray right it's a constant thing all the time and um so this is the first affair command them with prayer uh, command them with prayer the second affair is then to discipline them at the age of 10 and so this is now as they grow a bit older at the age of at the age of 10 and they are coming to the age <coughs> of uh, bulugh this is where now they become re- actually responsible they are now responsible in the sharia for abiding by what allah zawjal has commanded and what he has prohibited so upon this they are to be disciplined from this age onwards and then the third affair that was mentioned in the hadith is an affair that is to do with preserving the akhlaq and the morals of the children and this is now to separate them when they sleep right to sep- to isolate them in you know when they sleep and this is related to because at this age this is when the age when the children uh, start to become aware of certain affairs about growing up and so on so forth they start perceiving and understanding these affairs so at this age at this early age they are to be separated Uh, from each other especially in matters of you know when it comes to sleeping and so on and so forth so this is just one example of a hadith there are many other hadith which mention the tarbiyah that relates to the uh, deen to the affairs of worship to the affairs of ibadah and so on and so forth the second affair then that the sheikh moves on to is the issue of at tarbiyah at ta'limiyah This now is education. This is Islamic education specifically. And what the Sheikh is indicating here is the issue of knowledge and how knowledge is something that is vital and essential and how al-jahl ignorance is a disease. It is a fatal disease. As we mentioned earlier in the first part of the talk we mentioned that if the knowledge 
and the values of parents are not passed on to their children, then the children become prey to predators. And the society, your society, your family, your tribe, your society will then become corrupt in a very short time, within a generation or two generations. And so ignorance, jahl, and we mean specifically jahl of the deen, jahl of the religion, ignorance of tawheed, ignorance of the correct creed, the correct aqidah, because there are many creeds that Muslims subscribe to today, which are, which are not correct. Whether we are speaking of the, you know, the Sufis and Wahdatul Wujud, or the people of Takfir and Khuruj, and their version of Tawheed, or the, or, or the Qadariya, or the Jabariya, right? So, ignorance, we're not talking about Islam in general, we're talking about the, 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 the correct, authentic creed specifically. So, ignorance of that, and likewise, ignorance of the, of the affairs of Islam and its legislations and so on and so forth, this is a fatal disease. And without this knowledge, we cannot distinguish between a human and an animal. This is a distinguishing quality between a human and an animal. As the Shaykh says, لا فرق بين الجاهل وبين البهائم there is no distinction between the ignoramus and the animals. Because Allah in the Qur'an, how did he distinguish between the animal and that which is between, between the human and that which is other than him? Allah he said at the beginning of Surah Ar-Rahman, خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانِ عَلَّمَهُ الْبَيَانِ That he created man and then he gave him the, the discourse. The ability to, to make discourse. عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانِ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ He taught man that which he knew not. So possessing knowledge, possessing knowledge is something that distinguishes man from animals. Likewise he says in Surah An-Nahl, وَاللَّهُ أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِنْ بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا وَجِعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبَسَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَةِ that Allah, He took you out from the wombs of your mothers whilst you knew nothing. So child is born without knowledge. And then He gave for you the faculties or He made for you the faculties of hearing and seeing and feeling and knowing in the heart in order that you may be grateful. In order that you may be grateful. So knowledge is absolutely essential for the child. And this knowledge, the shaykh goes on to explain, is done in one of two ways. Either it is done in a masjid, it is done in a masjid, or it is done in a school. So it is done in a masjid or in a madrasa. And what the shaykh is pointing to here is that this knowledge that we are speaking of has to be organized, and it has to be structured. It can't be something that's done haphazard. It has to be, and hence, the masjid and the, uh, the madrasa, right? And we don't mean any old masjid, we mean a masjid of, of sunnah, and a madrasa of sunnah. So, uh, this is the way that uh, you know, children are, are taught, and the father, it is upon the father to take his child or his children to the masjid or to a madrasa, and within these two institutions, 
They do a number of things. First of all, they memorize the Qur'an. So as a routine, they memorize from the Qur'an. Likewise, they memorize from the prophetic sunnah. And likewise, they learn what they are able to for the age of the, of the uh, Arabic language. And then they are taught other subjects in accordance to their ability. And likewise, the parents, they take them to the durus, they take them to the, the, the lectures, they take them to all of these gatherings where the people gather in the houses of Allah, in the, the, the schools, and so on and so forth. All of this is for the tarbiyah, for the cultivation of the child. And so this is something that is absolutely necessary and it's a responsibility upon the parents to do this. Um, the Shaykh then moves on to the third aspect of raising a child, which is al-tarbiyah al-mihaniyyah. This now is the, 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 the cultivation that relates to a trade or a craft or an expertise that the child acquires. So the Shaykh says... Uh, this is that you teach your child how to pursue sustenance, how to acquire sustenance, how to acquire rizq. And this is when they are child, when they are, when, when, when they are young, when they are, when they are uh, children. And this is so that they are able to stand on their own two feet and be self-reliant after the reliance of Allah, upon reliance of Allah, obviously. And that they are not in need of depending upon other people. Right? So they're not needy of other people, that they are able to stand on their own two feet. And this is something that we know, the Sheikh says, that this is something that we know in uh, societies, and that usually the children take on the profession of their parents. So whatever the parents specialize in, then the parents, they acquire that skill. And the Sheikh gives a number of examples. He says... If the parent is a trader, the children learn the aspect of trade. If the parent is someone who is, a, for example, a carpenter or a manufacturer or a, you know, he mentions a number of examples that the child acquires that particular, particular uh, trade. And this is so that if the parents die and pass away, if Allah has decreed for the parents to pass away or to die, or if they become incapacitated, they become incapacitated, they are unable to work anymore, then the child is able to uh, acquire a living, earn a living, and provide for the rest of the family. And so the Sheikh emphasizes this point and says that what is done by many of the people of just, you know, feeding their children and giving to them and wealth and, and you know, all of this thing, this is not... This is not. Um, this is not. This is not correct. And this is a type of neglect of the children, and it is resembling the type of tarbiya that is that is the tarbiya of animals, right? This is not something good that a parent should do. Rather, the sheikh goes on to mention uh, uh, a verse in the Quran which is very important, and this verse in the Quran is related to people who are in charge of orphans. Those who are in charge of orphans. And in this ayah, Allah Azawajal, He says, وَابْتَلُوا الْيَتَامَ حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغُوا النِّكَاهِ فَإِنْ آنَسْتُمْ مِنْهُمْ رُشْدًا فَادْفَعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ أَمْوَالَهُمْ Speaking about the orphans. 
test the orphans, test them, until they reach the age of marriage and nikah. So if you are satisfied or pleased with them, that they are upon rushd, then deliver, deliver their wealth to them. Give them their wealth that you are holding in custody for them. So the scholars, they take this verse and they explain, as Shaykh al explains, this verse means, this is Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, verse number 6. This verse means, test the orphans, put them to trial. Test them to see with, for example, trading, buying, selling, and to see if they are competent. Right? So nurture them, test them, cultivate them upon buying or selling, or whatever the profession it might be, by which they earn a living, and see if they are, are competent. If they are competent, are they able to make a profit? Are they able to understand the affairs that relate to making a profit and earning a living and so on and so forth? So when they are able to demonstrate <coughs> that they are able to stand on their own two feet and manage their own affairs and are able to you know, conduct trade and business and so on and so forth, then this is a time when you know that they... <coughs> when you when you can basically deliver the, the, their property and their wealth to them. Because you know now they are competent in handling their own affairs. So the Sheikh says, this is what a parent should be occupied and concerned with. As for leaving them on the streets, roaming the streets, and you know getting into cars, and you know eventually picking up evil habits like stealing and, and so on and so forth, all of this is corruption. All of this is, is, is evil. And you cannot allow your child, your children, to be hanging around on the streets and in the cafes and things of that nature when really they should be occupied in acquiring a skill, a trade, a profession, a means by which they can stand on their own two feet. And this starts from, from before they reach bulug. Right? Before they, you know, from an early age. So you make them familiar with what you do, your trade, your profession, whatever you know best, try to pass those skills on to your children. And this point, uh, it has to be emphasized, it has to be emphasized because in the type of society that we live in today, it is, it is a necessity that everyone has to, has to work and has to earn a living. It's not easy, especially when you have to uh, when you when you when you're living in environments in which earning a halal living is extremely difficult, let alone a living by itself, right? So this is not like societies in the past where you could grow your own uh, crops and fruits and sit around doing nothing all day apart from just you know what you need to do, right? The 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 structure and the the, the the, the setup of society is totally different in these developed nations that, that we live in. You have to work, you have to pay for services, you have to pay for utilities, you have to pay, you have to pay, uh, you know, uh, you have to pay these things and you have to, uh, you know, you, you can't be deceived into thinking that you're going to live a life of zuhud. Right? This is not, this is not possible. It's very, oh, it's very difficult. You have to have wealth to be one who is zahid in these kind of societies, right? Because zuhud is to, to leave that which you are not in need of, 
which is excess, which is superfluous. Right? This is this is zuhud. Right? So you have to you have to be able to uh, earn a living. You have to stand on your own two feet, and you can't be needy and in poverty and dependent upon other people. And you have to pass this skill and this ability on to your children, because these these are just the facts of these just the facts of of life. Also, likewise, to establish the rights of Allah Azza wa Jal, to establish masajid, to establish calling to Allah to make da'wah to Allah Azza wa Jal, because this is one of the things that justifies the presence of Muslims in a non-Muslim land. It is to make da'wah to Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? Other than that, then you shouldn't really be here. Right? So keeping this in mind, the upper hand is better than the lower hand. And in order to spread the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal, and to invite people to the truth, then it is a necessity that you, that you yourself and then your children, that you, that you teach them how to acquire wealth through lawful means, to be independent and not to be in need, and in order to use it for, for goodness and for the spreading of khayr. So after making uh, the, the, the above, the previous points, the Sheikh then goes on to say, you know, he says that we are not saying that to make tarbiyah of your children is easy. Of course, it's difficult. It's difficult. But the person who makes isti'ana, he seeks aid from Allah Azawajal. And he has sabr. And he anticipates his reward from Allah Azawajal. Then he will find that time goes very quick. Right? Next thing you know, you, your child has become a grown adult. Time goes very, very, very quick. And... Uh, you know, so he must give attention to these affairs so that when his child grows up, he is someone who is aqil, he has reason, is rashid, is upon right guidance. And, you know, uh, a person shouldn't say that guidance is in the hand of Allah, rectification is in the hand of Allah, and whatever Allah decides and wills, this will happen. And he just leaves his children to their own devices. This is completely wrong. This is, this is not correct. The Shaykh says, yes, of course we know it is true that guidance is in the hand of Allah Azza wa Jal. Guidance is in the hand of Allah Azza wa Jal. إِنَّكَ لَا تَحْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءَ Of course, indeed you cannot guide whom you will, but Allah guides, uh, you, you cannot guide those whom you love, but Allah guides whomever He wills. Yes, guidance is in the hand of Allah Azza wa Jal. But the Shaykh makes a point that Guidance and rectification has causes and reasons behind it, which we have been ordered to take. And when you when you take the ways and means, then Allah Azawajal, He will aid you, He will support you. So the point being that all things have ways and means. If, for example, you went out and you or you sat down and you said, if Allah has decreed rizq. To come my way, I will just sit in my house and it will come my way. This is the thinking of, of a fool. Rather you have to go out and you have to acquire the rizq. You have to take the ways and means of acquiring your sustenance. You can't sit in your house. You can't, you can't sit in your house. And think that if food is going to come on the table by Allah's decree, by Allah's qadr, it will come. And you're just going to sit there. No. Everything has ways and means. Everything has asbab. And so you have to take those asbab in order to achieve the effects. The effects, the, the musababat. So, the shaykh says, with respect to your children, just like trade 
and work and labor and so on and so forth are the means to, to acquire sustenance. Likewise, to acquire righteous children, there are asbab, which is the asbab that we are discussing, al-tarbiyah, al-diniyah, al-tarbiyah, al-ta'limiyah, al-tarbiyah, al-mihaniyah, and so on and so forth. So the shaykh says that any person who takes these means and makes this effort and relies upon Allah and makes tawakkul and isti'anu upon Allah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ مُحْسِنُونَ Indeed, Allah is with those who fear Him and those who do righteousness. But as for when you neglect them, you leave them, you're just busy with your own thing, there's no tarbiyah of any sort taking place, they're out on the street, they're left to their own devices, you don't know what they are doing. All of this is neglect for which you will be punished for that. Your children will eventually become a source of punishment for you, as we mentioned in the ayah at the, at the beginning. Now the shaykh says that he once again reminds the parents and, and tells them to fear Allah And he says, especially in this time of ours when the tribulations and the trials have multiplied, they are, so, they are of so many different types and categories. And uh, he says, things have come upon us like for example satellites, uh, or what they call the satellite TV, the internet, and you know all of these other things uh, that have come upon us in every place. How can you allow your child to go to waste when the situation is like this, when the environment has become extremely Dangerous, extremely difficult. How can you sleep with a full sleep whilst knowing all of these things? And the Sheikh is making a very important point here, which cannot be stressed and emphasized so much. The societies that we live in, So the Sheikh, he mentions the tremendous danger that faces children, especially in this time of ours, with the spread of 
these affairs of access to information, uh, social media, the internet, uh, devices which are in the hands, you know, um, with the whole world accessible with a click of a button and so on and so forth. The Sheikh says these are tremendous, tremendous trials of this age. And so given this, how can a parent sleep peacefully at night knowing the likes of these trials? So this brings me to the speech of uh, Sheikh Saleh Ali Sheikh that I wanted to mention in relation to this point. And this, uh, the, 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 the statement here is in, in response to a question. And the question is, why do we not see open rejection from our scholars with respect to many of these evils which are now entering into Muslim societies? Right? And they mean things like alcohol, cinemas, um, you know, the entertainment that you see coming from the uh, non Muslims, and, you know, adoption of that. Uh, culture and things of that nature. How come we don't see the scholars, you know, uh, speaking about this? And so the Sheikh gives an extremely insightful answer, and he basically says that uh, we have to sometimes look at things from the point of view of Allah's actions. So we don't look necessarily at what the scholars are or are not doing. Because there are sometimes things which go beyond that. And they are from those affairs which are from the, the scheme of things in Allah's creation. And from what Allah brings upon His creation of tests and trials. And so He says that this thing that we are, we are experiencing today nowadays of, especially the issues of the internet and social media, and this means of communication that we have, this is something that, is, that has dominated the whole world. Right? It's something that no government, no nation, no society can, can... you know. It's something that's all pervasive. And it's something that Allah has decreed for the, for the dunya. And by way of this, Allah is putting people to trial. This is, this is the fitna, this is the trial. Such that whoever his heart has been rooted in iman and obedience to Allah, that he will withstand the trial. And those people in whose hearts there is nifaq, and there is a sickness, and there is love of disobedience, then these doors which have been opened upon the people, upon nations, right, where they've now got access to all of this facade and fisq and so on, well, this is a trial for these people. So yes, indeed, we will see, we will see in what comes. There will be many people who are living in these countries, right? Where we have Tawheed, where we have Sunnah, where this now is a door that's open to them. And it's something that cannot be escaped, right? It's difficult to, to escape from this. The only thing that's going to save you is Iman and Taqwa and Sidq. So what the Shaykh, the Shaykh, the answer the Shaykh is giving is that we have to look from the angle of Allah's actions, and what he intends by these things which are which 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 you know which are things that that can't be the you you can't prevent them you can't withhold them they are they are so big and so pervasive that 
it's inevitable that the people are going to be put to trial. Right? So this is things like, as we said, social media, uh, the internet, access to information, is something that it, it, it's, it's inevitable that they will enter societies and homes and you, you cannot repel that. And so the answer the Shaykh is given, how do, we, how do we deal with this? We should understand, first of all, this is a trial from Allah Azza wa Jal. Such that the one for whom guidance is decreed, then it will be established through that trial. That this person was decreed to be guided and saved. And the one for whom misguidance and corruption and destruction was decreed, then that will come to him by way of these things that have been opened out for nations and societies, right? So, so then he says, he says that the, these are things, these are orientations on, on such a large scale, which are conveyed through this, you know, uh, this, this world communication, the ability to communicate. He says that this is a trial for everybody, for the rulers, for the ruled, for the parents, for the children. For the young and for the old. It's a trial in every sense for everybody. This is a trial from Allah Azza wa Jal. And he says, what is the quickest and shortest way that you are going to save people? Is it now trying to think of devices and mechanisms and things like that to try and repel this thing, which is so big and so strong that you know it can't really be repelled. You can try all you want. You can try all that you want to do of setting up, fire. this is like on a national level. Setting up firewalls, setting up routers, blocking this, whatever, you are not going to stop people. You can't do it. It's going to happen. Right? Because the access is all pervasive. It's too strong. It is, and this is something decreed by Allah to put the people to trial. So, what way do you take? Do you start now exhausting yourself in you know, trying to practically use all these means? What is the quickest way? The quickest way the Sheikh mentions is. Is Gharsul Iman fin Nufus. Huwa Aksarut Tariq. It is to root Iman into the hearts of the people. This is the shortest route to prevent them from these trials. To firmly establish Iman into their hearts. And so uh, to s- prevent, to, to strengthen the family to protect the family, to protect the woman, to protect the man, to protect the child. It is to firmly root Iman into their hearts in accordance with what we discussed earlier on. And this this is the the, the quickest and the shortest route to prevent them from these evils. The Shaykh finishes, and this is the point that I wanted to come to. He says at the end of this, لا تتساهلون بانتشار الإلحاد Do not Take this spread of atheism. Do not take it lightly. Do not take it. You know. Do not. Do not take it with laxity. He says, "You will see now, tara al-ilhad, swaan ilhad, ilhad al-nafi, or ilhad al-shak. The atheism is of two types. One which is outright saying, you know, there's no creator. This is all just random, and one which actually is of shak of doubt." It puts doubt, well I don't know, maybe, maybe not, right? These are the two flavors of atheism. Either it's ag- agnosticism or it's uh, atheism. Sheikh says that this now, tarahu muntashiran. It is widespread. Lazim ta'rifuna hadhi al-mushkila. It is necessary for you to know and understand this affair. 
whether this atheism is the atheism of outright negation or whether it is you know the, the other one the agnostic one what will happen is especially with respect to the new generation the shabab the youth the children the sons and daughters it is it is something that that is spread and it requires some positive action right and what is this action this action is to present frequently and repetitively the arguments for tawhid the evidences in the quran for the rububiyah of allah azawajal the arguments for his existence the signs of his existence the arguments for his perfection in his names and his attributes the arguments for his right to be worshiped alone all of which are detailed in the quran right to to implant them and to implant this knowledge and this understanding into the hearts and minds of uh, the children and uh, to such a degree that you even mention them in the masjid when you come to the masjid the sheikh says and you are speaking to people who are already believers we are already believers we believe in allah we believe you know we 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 are convinced of his right to be worshiped alone we are convinced of all of these affairs until even in the masjid where we have believers these affairs must be mentioned they must be reminded the sheikh is saying why because perhaps there is someone present he will go back he will take to his children right he will inform his children he will remind his children this is the maqsood this is the intent so this is something that we must um the sheikh is saying that we have to uh uh remind our children of these affairs constantly and all the time especially when they are expo- exposed to things that you see which are from the lies of the disbelievers when they claim for example that they are sending people to space and when they are going to inhabit mars and they all of these are lies these are fairy tales this is not true right but the brainwashing is so strong and pervasive that these things can take root in the fascination and the imagination of a child and it can lead them to believing you know that a creator does not exist but these 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 are lies that they are that they are telling and they are using all of the advancement of technology to basically foist these lies upon 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 uh upon nations upon societies so this point that the sheikh as sheikh salih al-fawzan has mentioned that the tremendous danger to children in terms of their belief in terms of the means of you know communication and the point that sheikh salih al sheikh has mentioned about the coming danger of atheism the future danger of atheism to our societies why because now when you see with um with the internet and social media these ideas have never really come to you know many of of, of the societies now they are coming to our societies and many of the muslim societies don't really understand the history of these ideas how they came to be in the west right and to see their falsehood and they'll become poisoned by these ideas so this is something that's very very important uh to to understand and um perhaps we can uh finish on this note inshallah ta'ala sheikh goes on to mention at the very end uh just to put this really good example into your minds He says that to influence the children when they are young is easier than when they become old and he mentions a poetry a really good line of poetry he says 
the line of poetry says, وَيَنْشَأُ نَاشِئُ الْفَتْيَانِ مِنَّا عَلَى مَا كَانَ عَوَّدَهُ أَبُوهِ And another line of poetry, إِنَّ الْغُسُونِ إِذَا عَدَّلْتَهَا اِعْتَدَلَتْ وَلَا تَلِينُ إِذَا كَانَتْ مِنَ الْخَشَبِ So he says, uh, first, the first line of poetry basically says that the young person, he develops and grows in accordance to what his father makes him accustomed to. Your children will become what you are like. Your children will be just like what you are. Whatever your habits are, whatever your customs are, whatever how you are, your children will inevitably become like that. That's the first thing. And the second thing, the second line of poetry is, indeed, twigs, when you bend them, they are able to bend. Meaning the small twigs of a, of a tree. When you try to bend them, you know, they are flexible, they can bend, they can turn. But when they turn into wood, then they cannot be bent. Right? So if you imagine a tree as it's growing with its small narrow twigs, right, and the small trunk, very narrow trunk, you can turn it, you can bend it, you can, you can do that. But when it becomes a fully grown tree, you can't bend the trunk. You can't bend the big branches, not possible. Too late. It's too late. The child now is set in his or her ways. Right? So there's no point at the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 saying, now right, I want to make my children righteous. And I want to put good... It's too late. That time is from the age of 5, 6, 7, 8. This is the time when you do that. Not when they've reached Bulugh when they've reached the, you know, the maturity, mental maturity, this is too late now, because they've picked up whatever habits they've got, and they're going to stick to them. Right? So this is too late. So, all, this brings us to an end, uh, to what the Sheikh mentions. He finishes with this parable, or this example, and he says that, um, we should be concerned with our children from an early age, right through the stages of their youth, until they become full-grown men, of full-grown women. And until they turn into righteous men and women so that they become a benefit to you. As we mentioned in the hadith, when the son of Adam dies, his actions are cut off except for three. And among them is a righteous child who supplicates who supplicates for his parents. And then the shaykh finishes by mentioning an ayah which indicates that it is, it is treachery on behalf of a parent to neglect his children. He mentions the ayah in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, la takhoonu Allah, war rasul, wa takhoonu amanatikum, wa antum ta'lamun. O you who believe, do not be treacherous to Allah, and nor to the messenger, and do not be treacherous to your amanat, to your, the trusts and the responsibilities that have been placed upon you, whilst you are, uh, whilst you are knowing, Knowing to knowingly do that. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَأَوْلَادُكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ أَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ And know that your wealth and your offspring, your children, are a tribulation. And that indeed Allah is with him, a mighty and great reward. So that brings us to the end of this uh, beneficial lecture of Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan. So perhaps... We have taken some admonition, some benefit from this. And with that, we'll conclude our lecture there for, for today, inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. 
وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا